Chapter 4 of The Blind Musician. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Blind Musician by Vladimir Korolenko. Chapter 4 Blindness Vague Questions. 1. There are natures that seem predestined for the gentle task of love, as well as for the anxieties of sorrow natures in whom a sympathy for the cares or griefs of others is a necessity as imperative as the air they breathe they have been endowed with that calmness so essential for the fulfilment of everyday duties all the natural longings for personal happiness seem to have been restrained and held in subserviency to the ruling characteristic of their temperaments such beings often appear too placid too reasonable and devoid of sentiment they are insensible to the passionate longings of a life of pleasure and follow the stern path of duty with as much contentment as if it were yielding them the most glowing joys they seem as frigid and majestic as the mountain-tops commonplace human life abases itself at their feet even gossip and calumny guide from their snowy white garments like spatters of mud from the wings of a swan peter's little friend presented all the traits of this type which as the product of education or experience is but rarely seen like genius it falls to the lot of the chosen few and generally manifests itself early in life the mother of the blind boy realized what good fortune had befallen her son in winning the friendship of this child old maxime likewise appreciated this and felt confident that since his pupil now enjoyed the benefit of an influence heretofore wanting his moral development would make tranquil and continuous progress. But this proved a sad mistake. 2. During the first few years of the child's life, Maxime had believed the boy's mental growth to be under his entire control, and its processes, if not directly guided by his influence, at least so far affected by it that no new intellectual manifestation or acquisition could evade his vigilance but when the boy reached that period of his life which forms the boundary between childhood and youth maxime realized how vain had been his audacious dreams of education nearly every week revealed something new oftentimes something he had never anticipated and in his efforts to discover the sources of the new idea or representation thereof maxime was invariably baffled a certain unknown influence either organic growth or hereditary development was evidently participating in maxime's educational plans and he often paused reverently to contemplate the mysterious operations of nature and these outbreaks by which nature affects her gratuitous revelations disturbing so to speak the equilibrium between the supply of acquired knowledge on the one hand and that of personal experience on the other maxime had no trouble in following the connecting links of the phenomena of universal life which diverging into thousands of channels enter into separate and individual lives this discovery was at first startling to maxime inasmuch as it revealed the fact that the mental growth of the child was subject to other influences beside his own he became anxious for the fate of his ward alarmed at the possibility of influences which could bring the blind man nothing but irremediable suffering then he tried to trace to their sources those mysterious springs which had leaped to the surface hoping to obstruct their passage and check their influence over the blind child 
nor had the mother failed to observe these things. One morning Petrick ran up to her in an unusual state of excitement. "'Mama, mamma!' he exclaimed. "'I saw a dream.' "'What did you see, my boy?' she asked, and in her voice there was a pathetic intonation as of doubt. "'I dreamed that I saw you and Uncle Maxime, and what else? I don't remember. And do you remember me?' "'No,' replied the boy, thoughtfully. "'I have forgotten everything.' This was repeated several times, and each time the boy grew sadder and more restless. Three. Once, as he was crossing the yard, Maxime heard from the drawing-room, where the music lessons usually took place, some very queer exercises. They consisted of two notes. First, the highest key of the upper register was struck incessantly in swift repetition. Then the low reverberation of a bass note jarred upon the ear. Curious to discover what might be the meaning of these strange musical exercises, Maxine hobbled across the yard, and a minute later entered the drawing-room. He paused and stood motionless in the doorway, contemplating the scene before him. The boy, who was now ten years old, sat on a low stool at his mother's feet. Beside him, craning his neck and turning his long beak from side to side, stood a tame stork which Joachim had presented to the panich. The boy fed him every morning from his own hands, and the bird followed his new friend and master from morning till night. At this moment Petruchio was holding him by one hand, and slowly stroking his neck and back with the other, while an expression of deep thought and absorption rested on his face. The mother, meanwhile, evidently excited, and at the same time with a look of sadness, was striking with her finger the key that sent forth that sharp resonant note. At the same time, slightly bending forward from her seat, she watched the boy's face with a painful scrutiny. When his hand, gliding along the brilliant white plumage, reached the tips of the wings, where the white plumes were suddenly replaced by black ones, Anna Mikhailovna instantly moved her hand to the other key, and the low bass note with its deep reverberations echoed through the room. Both mother and son were so engrossed in their occupation that they had not observed Maxime's entrance until recovering from his astonishment he interrupted this performance anusha what does this mean meeting maxim's searching glance the young woman was as much confused as if a severe tutor had detected her in the commission of some fault you see she said in confusion he tells me that he can distinguish a certain difference between the colors of the stork but he cannot understand wherein this difference consists truly he was the first one to mention it and I believe he is right. Well, what of it? Well, I was trying, after a fashion, to explain this difference to him by sounds. Don't be vexed, Max, but I really think that there is a correspondence. This unexpected idea took Maxime so entirely by surprise that at first he was at a loss for an answer. He asked her to repeat her experiments, and as he watched the rigid concentration of the boy's expression, he shook his head. Believe me, Anna, he said, when he was alone with her, it is better not to arouse thoughts in the boy's mind to which you can give no satisfactory solution. He must resign himself to his blindness. There is no help for it, and it is our duty to keep him from trying to comprehend the light. For my part, I make every effort to avert each question, and, if it were but possible, to keep him removed from all objects likely to suggest them. He would no more realize that a sense is missing than we who possess five deplore the want of a six. The sister yielded as usual to her brother's persuasive arguments. 
but this time both were mistaken while overrating the influence of outside impressions maxime forgot the powerful stimulus which nature communicates to a child's soul for they had before them a blind child a future man the possible father of a family malevolent fate or perhaps accident hidden within the mysterious realm of phenomena had closed forever those eyes the windows through which the soul receives impressions from the glowing many-coloured changing world doomed never to behold the light of the sun although not himself the offspring of the blind he was still a link in the illimitable chain of bygone lives and contained within himself the possibilities of future lives all those living links now lost in the remote past corresponding in proportion to their capacity to the impressions of light had transmitted to him the inner faculty and threw him blind though he was to an endless succession of future generations who would possess the power of vision thus it was that in the depths of this child's soul these hereditary forces lay dormant vague possibilities hitherto unaffected by outside influences the whole fabric of his mind fashioned after the ancestral model had reserved within itself a substratum of the impressions of light the product of the countless experiences of his ancestors thus in his inner organization the blind man is like another possessing eyesight but with eyes forever closed hence a dim yet ever-present consciousness of desire that craves contentment an undefined yearning to exercise the dormant powers of his soul which have never been called into action hence also certain vague forebodings and endeavors like the longing for flight which children feel and the joys of which they taste in witching dreams now at last the instinctive inclination of little peter's childish fancies was reflected on his features in that look of troubled perplexity those hereditary and yet as far as he himself was concerned undeveloped and therefore unshaped possibilities of the ideas of light rose like obscure phantoms in the child's mind exciting him to aimless and distressing efforts all his nature in an unconscious protest against the individual accident rose to claim the restoration of the universal law five consequently however much maxime might try to exclude all outward impressions from his nephew he had no control over the urgent cravings that came from within with all his precautions he could but avert a premature awakening of these unsatisfied yearnings and thereby diminish the boy's chances of suffering in every other respect the child's unhappy fate with all its cruel consequences must take its course and like a dark shadow this fate advanced to meet him for year to year the boy's natural vivacity subsided like a receding wave while the melancholy that was echoing within his soul grew persistently and left its impression on his temperament his laughter which in childhood resounded at every new and especially vivid impression was now rarely heard he was naturally less accessible to all that was bright and cheerful and more or less humorous than to that vague obscurity and gloom particular to the southern nature which finds reflection in the folk songs these made a deep impression on the boy's imagination the tears stood in his eyes whenever he heard how the grave whispers to the wind in the field and he loved to wander through the fields himself listening to this murmur he longed more and more for solitude and when in his hours of recreation he started off on his lonely walk the family would avoid that direction 
lest they might disturb his solitude seated upon some mound out on the steppe or on the hillock above the river or on the familiar cliff petruchio would listen to the rustling leaves the whispering grass the vague soughing of the wind across the steppe all this harmonized perfectly with the deep seriousness of his mood there so far as in him lay he was in absolute sympathy with nature he understood her she disturbed him by no perplexing and unanswerable questions there the wind fanned his very soul and the grass seemed to whisper soft words of pity and as the spirit of the youth in harmony with the gentle influences that surrounded him melted at the tender caress of nature he felt his bosom swell with an emotion that communicated itself to his whole being in moments like these he would throw himself on the cool moist grass and weep but in these tears there was no bitterness again he would seize his pipe and enraptured by his own emotions would improvise pensive melodies suited to his mood and to the peaceful harmony of the step one could easily understand that any human sound coming unexpectedly to interrupt this mood would affect him like a distressing discord at such times the only fellowship possible to him was with a soul akin to his own and in the fair-haired girl from the estate of the possessor the boy enjoyed just such a companion this friendship was the more firmly knitted by mutual sympathy if evelyn contributed to their partnership her calmness her gentle animation or imparted to the blind boy some new detail of the surrounding life he in turn gave her his sorrow the little woman's knowledge of him seemed to have dealt a serious blow to her tender heart pluck a dagger from a wound and the bleeding will increase on the day when she first learned to know the blind boy on the hillock and the steppe her sympathy for his affliction had really caused her acute pain and his presence had grown by degrees quite indispensable to her separation seemed to renew and increase the poignant pain of her wound and she longed to be with her little friend that she might appease her own suffering by ministering constantly to his comfort six one warm autumn night both families were sitting on the terrace in front of the house admiring the starry sky with its blue distances and glimmering lights the blind boy with his friend sat as usual by his mother's side all was still around the mansion and for the moment they sat silent only the leaves stirred from time to time like startled things with unintelligible murmurings and then lapsed into silence suddenly a meteor leaping forth from the darkness flashed across the sky in one brilliant streak and as it gradually disappeared it left behind a trail of phosphorescent light petruchia seated beside his mother had linked his arm in hers and she became suddenly conscious that he started and began to tremble what was that he asked with a look of trouble on his face it was a falling star my child ah yes a star he said thoughtfully i felt sure that it was a star how could you know my boy inquired the mother with a pitiful accent of doubt in her voice he is telling the truth exclaimed evelyn he knows many things like that this increasing sensitiveness indicated that the boy was evidently drawing near the critical period that lay between childhood and youth meanwhile his development pursued its quiet course he seemed to have grown accustomed to his lot and the exceptional and uniform character of his sadness a sadness cheered as it were by no single ray of light but at the same time free from all eager cravings and grown to be the habitual background of his life was in some measure mitigated but this proved to have been simply a period of temporary repose 
nature has appointed these resting places that the young organism may gain strength to meet other attacks during these calms new questions imperceptibly rise to the surface and mature and it needs but a touch to disturb this outward peace and stir the soul to its very depths even as the sea is lashed by a sudden squall End of chapter 4